Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I'm pleased to have as our guest, Tanya Israel. Dr. Israel is a professor in the Department of Counseling, Clinical, and School Psychology at the University of California, Santa Barbara. She holds a PhD in counseling psychology and is a fellow of the American Psychological Association. Dr. Israel teaches about helping skills, leadership, and community collaboration, among other things. She has facilitated educational programs and difficult dialogues about a range of topics, including abortion, law enforcement, religion, and sexual orientation. Today, I have the honor to speak with her about her book, Beyond Your Bubble, How to Connect Across the Political Divide, Skills and Strategies for Conversations that Work. This book grew out of Dr. Israel's skill-building workshops that she developed and delivered to hundreds of participants following the 2016 election. It draws on her strengths as a psychologist and community organizer to prepare people to engage in dialogue across political lines. Welcome, Dr. Israel. Well, I'm so happy that you are able to take the time to talk with us a little bit. I'm so intrigued by the work that you do, and especially about your book, which is called Beyond Your Bubble, How to Connect Across the Political Divide, Skills, Strategies, and Conversations that Work. Mm. So one question I just am so curious, how did you become interested in this field and what brought you to this specialty? That's a great question. We have to go back to the 1990s for this. So A couple decades ago, I started a group to bring together pro-choice and pro-life people to have dialogue with each other. And it was such a transformational experience for me. It didn't change anything about how I felt about women's reproductive rights, but it changed so much about how I felt about people who had a different view than I did. And that really struck me and has stayed with me that I had had such a sort of skewed perspective of people. And when I actually sat down and had a conversation and got to know them, it humanized them for me and humanized me for them. And since then, I've been doing work primarily on LGBT psychology. And that's also, there's been a lot going on with that in the last couple of decades. And it's brought me into the middle of some really interesting conversations with people who have different views, people who have different religious views. I've done training for law enforcement. So there are a lot of things that have sort of helped me be in situations where I've had opportunities to have conversations with people who have different views than I do. So then when the 2016 election happened, and it was so clear that our country was divided around politics and was having trouble having those conversations, I wanted to do something to help. And so I started by creating this thing that I call the flow chart that will resolve all political conflict in our country, because I'm optimistic like that. (laughs) But then when it didn't actually resolve all political conflict in this country yet, then I went about developing a workshop to help people develop skills to have dialogue. And then the book came out of that. So as you're talking about this, the word mediator comes into my mind. Do you see yourself as a mediator or is it a little bit different than that? I have some training in mediation, but I don't feel like that's the role that I'm playing as much as, because a mediator really helps people, sort of facilitates that conversation between people. And what I'm trying to do is 
provide people with the skills and resources so that they can do it themselves. I really want to empower people to be able to have these conversations themselves. Hmm, Right. And the other thing that comes to my mind as a psychiatrist, I think of mentalization and mentalization is a way to kind of learn how to understand where someone else is coming from or how they're thinking. And so I think of it, I guess when I heard about your work, I thought, okay, this is kind of like a mentalization. I'm trying to understand where kind of someone who maybe you don't disagree with or disagrees with you, where they're coming from. Right. So there's so much in the field of psychology and the mental health field that I think can be useful to people. There's not only a lot of research, but there's also a lot of skills that we learn and we know these skills work because of the research on them. And so one of the things I think what you're talking about, some of that's about perspective taking and some of that's about empathy. Mm -hmm. And so those are skills, especially the perspective taking piece. I've got a specific exercise in the book to help people to develop that. And then a lot of empathy develops from like understanding some things about maybe a group, but even more so being in connection with somebody else and really listening and really working to understand and communicate your understanding. And so that's absolutely one of the foundations of these kinds of dialogues. So I'm wondering if we kind of move into real world application of this kind of work, right? So if I think about, I mean, I was struck by your work in the context of thinking about some of the patients or clients I see living in California and a lot of people have family members, you know, in different parts all over the country, right? a lot of people have family members who have very different political views than they do. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you've heard this so much that it's this idea of a, how do you sit around, you know, a Thanksgiving table pre-pandemic, right? Or how do you have conversations that are meaningful with your parents, even if maybe they don't share the same political views? So it's kind of this idea that wanting to give people tools to be able to have meaningful and productive conversations. Mm-hmm. But how does it look in when it's actually played out. So let me start, before I get to exactly how it looks, let me start with sort of the motivations that people tell me they have to engage in dialogue or to be interested in it. The number one reason people tell me is there's somebody in my life who I want to stay connected with, but we're having trouble because of our different views. People also tell me things like, I want to persuade other people, or I want to find common ground, or there's a lot of people who say, I simply cannot fathom how people can think or act or vote as they do. And it turns out that in order to achieve any of those goals, the thing you really want to do is to understand somebody else. Because if you can't understand them, you want to understand them. If you want to convince them, well, you'd better have a good sense of where they're coming from. If you want to find common ground, of course, you need to understand where both of you are coming from. And if you want to maintain that relationship with somebody, probably the most important thing is not just understanding, but communicating that you care. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people see these conversations as something where they need to go in and figure out the way to frame their own views to deliver that or convey that to somebody else. But if your goal is really to stay connected to somebody, probably it's more important to actually be interested in and curious about where they're coming from. Right. So that would look like, I guess, I guess this question of 
approaching someone that you want to stay connected to, Mm -hmm. both people know that you have different views. And so maybe this idea that the work is kind of approaching it with curiosity and, Mm -hmm. and compassion too. And maybe saying, I know we have different views, but I want to maybe understand where you're coming from and why you think this, I want to understand that. So in the actual conversation, then what that looks like is using a lot of listening And listening to understand rather than listening to respond. So often when we're listening to somebody else who disagrees with us, what's going on in our head is figuring out what we're going to say in contrast to what they're saying. And, okay, how am I going to tell them what I think? And what might be more useful and productive in these conversations is really listening to somebody and trying to figure out, oh, what is it that they're saying? What are they really talking about? What does this mean to them? And then when we have a chance to respond, rather than coming back with our own view, come back and summarize what they just said. Because first of all, that will help you to make sure that you actually understood what they said. And it's going to help them to feel like you care and it's going to help them to feel understood, which is so important for healing. So that's a very important piece of it, the listening process. Another thing that can be helpful is in terms of expressing to somebody that you're interested is asking open questions that explore not just like, what do you think, but tell me about the experiences that you've had in your life that have led you to your views or what got you interested in this subject or where have you heard other people talking about these things? So all of that can be helpful in terms of exploration. And then when you have a chance to speak and share your views, sharing that kind of thing, like sharing your story rather than stats and slogans, that can be so helpful in, in developing the understanding. And, and what does something mean to you? You know, recently there were events that happened at the Capitol on January 6th that people had lots of different meaning about. And so many people talked about it in, in terms of patriotism, feeling patriotic, but in very different ways. And I thought, wow, what a great opportunity for us to have a conversation about what does being patriotic mean to you? And that I think is so much more interesting than actually just arguing back and forth on the analyses that we've heard, you know, from other people or, or specific facts that we feel like the other person's not getting. Right. I think it takes a bit of finesse for those conversations to also not respond sometimes to something Mm -hmm. that you believe is not true or you feel like you have data to kind of support an opposite statement, right? Mm -hmm. And so it does take quite a bit of restraint probably to really engage in a way that the other person feels like you really do want to try to understand. Right. And that's where that curiosity and really prioritizing curiosity is important. And in terms of sort of how we manage not only kind of what we say, but but what's going on internally, that can be so important, just finding ways of managing our emotions because things can really push our buttons in these conversations. And so we might find ourselves responding as if we're responding to a real dangerous threat. When typically in these conversations, the worst thing that's going to happen is that someone is going to disagree with you perhaps in a forceful tone. And that doesn't feel good, but it's not 
typically a physical threat. Obviously, if it is a physical threat, you want to get out of that situation. But typically, it's more just that it feels threatening, but it's not actually. So first of all, I think reminding yourself that that's the case can be really helpful. And then all of the things that we know how to do to manage our emotions. And, you know, this is also your area of work. So, you know, I always talk to people about deep breathing, talk about physically grounding ourselves by, you know, noticing the feeling of your feet on the floor or even touching your own hand, things that we can do to interrupt that fight, flight, or freeze response. And I'm curious if you have anything you would add to that. Well, you know, actually, as you were talking just a thought that came to my mind is this is hard work, mm-hmm. really hard work, Indeed. right? I'm just thinking kind of from people in my practice and just people I've spoken to over the years that this idea of wanting to maintain relationships, wanting to maintain connections, but having a huge part of that relationship be so strained, mm-hmm due to differing views, right? And, you know, I think this idea that, of course, you want to maintain relationships with people that you care about. And I think there's this idea of how far will you go to be able to maintain that relationship? And as you're talking, I think about, yeah, self-care and all these things, but both partners in the conversation have to have, to some degree, an element of flexibility, at the same time, right? I mean, maybe one person is maybe in some instances a little bit more flexible than the other, but there still needs to be a little bit of ability to even be curious to hear the other person's perspective. And I could see if, say, you're the person saying, I want to make this relationship work. I'm going to implement all of these things that I've read about. I've read your book, right? All these things. And you go in with the best of intentions. But if, you know, the other person isn't curious back, I guess my question is, Does that work? Mm. So I hear this question a lot. People say, but I want to be understood. How do I get them to hear me? And I always go back to what's your goal? If your goal is to maintain the relationship, if your goal is to try to understand someone else, then maybe them understanding you isn't the most important thing. Mm. Probably the greatest insight I got from doing this work, because I always go back to this. I'm like, what's your goal? What is it that you want? It turns out people sometimes have more than one want. This should be obvious, but it took me a little while for it to sink in that sometimes people say, yes, I want to maintain this relationship, but I also want to feel validated in my views. Or people say, yes, I want to understand somebody else, but I also want to be able to express my feelings openly. And so then I think, okay, let's think about how to get those different wants met. And it might not all be in one conversation with one person, that maybe you're not going to feel as validated talking to somebody who disagrees with you. So go talk to your people, you know, who already agree with you and support you. Go vent with them and get support from them. When something happens that really pushes your buttons, those are probably the people you should go to first. And then when you've got the wherewithal to, you're right, it is work to have these conversations. And and so when you've got the energy to do that, then you go and you do that and you have a certain kind of conversation. But it's a, it's a different kind of conversation that you probably have with different people then. Right, right. And kind of different sacrifices that you're willing to make. And Indeed. 
ability to kind of tolerate different things depending on the type of relationship and I mean, within reason, I guess, do you ever work with people who say it's not worth it? I'm, I'm just going to write this relationship off. Sure. I always say that knowing how to have dialogue creates an opportunity. It's not a mandate. There is no mandate to have these conversations with everyone who disagrees with you. I think that the first, the first question on, on my flowchart is, do you want to have a conversation with someone who has a different political view? And, you know, if it's yes, then yeah, here's all these considerations. And if it's no, then okay, move along. This flowchart is not for you. Like mm-hmm. dialogue is not for you. I don't think everyone needs to be doing it. And I'll say at the same time, I hear a lot of people either wanting to do it because they have those goals or giving up on it because they have certain perceptions of other people that are not necessarily accurate or because they don't know how to go about doing it or they've had an interaction that hasn't gone well in the past. So that's really where I want to equip people with the tools so that they can have these conversations. And the other thing we know is that stress about political conflict has been on the increase in our country. And that's just not healthy for us to have a sustained level of stress like that. So people have told me that just reading the book has helped to reduce their stress because they can see some hope in being able to have these conversations. They feel better equipped to be able to go into these. And so I think that confidence in being able to do it and that hope is so important, no matter what you do with that in terms of actually having the conversations or not. Right. And I just think it's a really helpful skill to have, regardless of if you're talking about political issues or, I mean, it's just a good skill to be able to figure out, okay, how do I talk to people that I care about, even if we don't agree on things, right? Yes. And how do I maintain relationships? I mean, not everybody is going to agree with every single thing that you think, and that's what makes a relationship dynamic, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think just in general, it's just an important skill, right? Um, Absolutely. And as a psychiatrist, I'm sure you're aware of this. It's like these same skills that I'm talking about, listening and perspective taking and managing emotions, These are skills that will benefit people in their lives, in their families, as parents, as siblings, as coworkers, as community members, as leaders. These are skills that we can all use. And so in some ways, I think, okay, if what motivates people to develop these skills is political conflict and wanting to bridge that, that's fantastic because it's going to help us all to be more effective people in our lives and our communities. Right. Well, tell me about these workshops. I'm so curious about these workshops that you're now moving into. I know you've done it for a while, but they're now virtual. Absolutely. So I started doing these workshops because again, the flowchart wasn't enough. I thought I need to do something else. And really, I wanted to do something where people could build the skills that they would need to have these conversations. It's not set up as a forum for people to actually have those conversations right there because people need some foundation before they can move into those. So It focuses a lot on the things we've just talked about, on listening, on managing emotions, on understanding somebody else's perspective and exploring that. Also, what I've added even more since I wrote the book and since I'm seeing this coming up is the barriers that people have to even approaching conversation because of the perceptions they have of people on the other side. 
And so I've, I've built a little bit more of that into the workshop because I'm hearing that come up again and again as a barrier. So I'm always refining the workshop. I used to do it with actual live people in a room together, and that was great. And several hundred people went through the workshop, and it helped me to understand what is it that people need, what's getting in the way, what works for them in terms of being able to understand and develop the skills. So that was incredibly valuable. And now I'm starting to offer them online. Actually, literally next week, I start offering them as virtual workshops. And so I'm, I'm doing them for organizations and people can, you know, book me to do a workshop with their friends or with a nonprofit, you know, in their workplace. So it's a really, I think, wonderful educational opportunity, especially it fits within a community. I've also done these uh, within faith communities. And often we're in situations where we've got a community of people and we just haven't figured out how we're going to navigate these things within that community. So if everybody's got the skills and sort of a common foundation of understanding how to go about it, that's really an ideal situation. I'm curious, do you ever get feedback? Do people ever circle back after they've kind of worked with you and kind of read your book or gone through a workshop and do they ever circle back and say, this is how this conversation went and this is how things are now? Yes, absolutely. People have circled back after the workshop and after they've read the book. And actually, I I put a survey on my website so that people could just anonymously share with me like what their experiences with dialogue have been like. Because I just want to know more because I feel like that's just going to help me to be able to offer something more useful. So people tell me a lot of different things. People tell me the things that that have been harder and that haven't worked. So, you know, often people learn something in a workshop and they go, oh, great. I just need to tell other people how to do this now. And of course, that's actually not what most people want. They don't want other people telling them what to do. So it's less a matter of sort of taking the workshop and telling other people, oh, this is what you need to do. It's more a matter of actually doing it ourselves. So that's one of the pieces. Just when I hear people, you know, I, I realize I need to emphasize like, okay, well, you know, using the skills, implementing the skills is so important and how do we do that? But I've definitely, you know, I've got a friend who was going to care for a family member who was dying and who had a very different political views. And she was really worried about like, what was this going to be like? And, you know, in close quarters and trying to be helpful. And so she said, you know, I'm bringing your book along. And she said it was really a valuable resource to be able to just keep her heart open. And then there were other people, you know, friends who were coming to help also, who also, you know, had different political views. And she really was able to sort of understand more where other people might be coming from. And, you know, in that kind of situation where it was so important to be able to rely on other people and for other people to rely on her, it just allowed politics to not be like the focal point and also to not rupture those really important relationships. Yeah. Well, it seems like such an important tool for people to use. And also I think during these times, it's just so important to know that there's not that it's this cookie cutter approach, but there are kind of ways to systematically go about it. And I think that decreases the feeling of kind of helplessness that people have around these kind of situations of difficult conversations, talking with people with different views, and it kind of makes it feel a little bit more digestible. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's what I hope. It's 
it's a pretty compact book. I didn't want to, you know, I'm a researcher, but I did not want to write it like a research article. I wanted to make it incredibly accessible. It's got examples of dialogue. There's exercises that people can do on their own or things that they can do with other people also. It's also got other resources because I am not the only person who's doing this work. There are other people who are writing books. There's organizations that are bringing folks together. There's there's other podcasts that are doing things. Mm -hmm. And I really want people to have all the resources available so that they can approach their goals and achieve those goals. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talking about resources, I will make sure that um, we have information about you on the podcast description um, so people can hear a little bit about your work and the workshops as well as your book if they want to check it out. Oh, great. That's wonderful. I think that's fantastic. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I heard you on a podcast and I was so, I was telling you earlier, I was so, so interested in the topic. And I, I think I was just so excited that there was someone out there doing this work. Mm-hmm. So I'm so grateful that you're here and you have this resource for people. Is there anything you want to tell the listener before we say goodbye? I think the only thing is that people are not as extreme as we anticipate them to be, typically. Mm -hmm. Most people are not extremists. And what we see on the news is much more the extremists. And so our view of that gets really skewed. And I hear so Mm -hmm. many people backing off from even the idea of having conversation because they're trying to imagine having a conversation with people who are at the extreme on the other side. So I just want to make sure people know that. And the other thing that gets our view skewed is social media, because the people who post, I mean, typically the people who post are more extreme than the people in the middle. But also when somebody posts something, we put all kinds of meanings on what they say that aren't necessarily where they're coming from. And so I think that the most useful thing we can do if we see a social media post that we disagree with and and we want to have some kind of exchange with that person is just to say, I'm really interested to know more about what you have to say. Can we find a time to talk and actually take it off of social media? People think that they're having conversations because they're they're commenting on people's posts on social media. That is not dialogue. And so really using these skills to have human interactions is, I think, what's going to help us to heal and unify our country. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for being on. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been a great conversation. Take care. This has been Mind Stories with remote appointments in California and offices in downtown LA, Santa Monica, Hermosa Beach, Marina del Rey, Echo Park, and Santa Barbara. Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.